get into it. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Lord knows I am. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. Yes. We've been going through uh, the Gospel of John. We're getting to the pointy end. We're getting up to John chapter 16 today. And uh, it's all about Jesus, the teacher. He's trying to cram in as much as he can because he knows his time is coming. And uh, he has limited time left with the disciples. At the same time, he doesn't want to overwhelm them, but there's so much to share. And he really wants to teach in order to bring comfort in the times that are about to unfold. And so let's have a look at a video representation of John chapter 16, and, uh, and we'll go from there. I have told you this so that you will not give up your faith. You will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time will come and those who kill you will think that by doing this they are serving God. People will do these things to you because they have not known either the Father or me. But I have told you this so that when the time comes for them to do these things you will remember what I told you. I did not tell you these things at the beginning for I was with you. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me where I am going. And now that I have told you, your hearts are full of sadness. But I am telling you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the people of the world that they are wrong about sin and about what is right and about God's judgment. They are wrong about sin because they do not believe in me. They are wrong about what is right because I am going to the Father and you will not see me anymore. And they are wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I have much more to tell you, but now it will be too much for you to bear. When, however, the Spirit comes, who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears, and will tell you of things to come. He will give me glory, because he will take what I say and tell it to you. All that my Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. In a little while, you will not see me anymore. And then a little while later, you will see me. Some of his disciples asked among themselves, what does this mean? He tells us that in a little while, we will not see him. And then a little while later, we will see him. And he also says, it is because I am going to the Father. What does this a little while mean? We don't know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to question him. I said, in a little while you will not see me, and then a little while later you will see me. Is this what you are asking about among yourselves? I am telling you the truth. You will cry and weep, but the world will be glad. You will be sad, but your sadness will turn into gladness. When a woman is about to give birth, she is sad because the hour of suffering has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets her suffering because she is happy that a baby has been born into the world. That is how it is with you. Now you are sad, but I will see you again. 
and your hearts will be filled with gladness, the kind of gladness that no one can take away from you. When that day comes, you will not ask me for anything. I am telling you the truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your happiness may be complete. <laughs> speech but will speak to you plainly about the Father. When that day comes, you will ask him in my name. And I do not say that I will ask him on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. He loves you because you love me, and I believe that I came from God. I did come from the Father, and I came into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Then his disciples said to him, Now you are speaking plainly using figures of speech. We know now that you know everything. You do not need to have someone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you believe now? The time is coming. It is already here. When all of you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. And I will be left all alone. But I am not really alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you will have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer, but be brave. I have defeated the world. Very good. Let's get the lights so people aren't falling asleep. <laughs> Most of us like to know what's going to happen in our futures. I think that way you can plan, that way you can be organized. You know, no matter how bad it is, even if it was something bad, you'd like to know so you can plan. At least we can prepare and live a prepared life. The night before Jesus was crucified, he's trying to prepare his disciples for the very near future. And some of which is going to be bad. And we know, because again, the gift of hindsight, we know what's about to happen. So we know what's coming. So to be sure they understood before he went back to heaven... Jesus revisits several truths really quickly. He's going to go away. The disciples would be persecuted. He was sending the Holy Spirit in his place and they could pray in his name and he'd give them peace in the midst of trouble. So Jesus fortified and encouraged the 11 for the days that were ahead when they need his teaching the most. So that's what that moment is all about. Let's read John chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. It says this. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. So he's speaking of coming attractions. I sort of joked a bit last week about how positive the news was. And so he's telling them, you know, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to get, people are going to want to kill you and think they're doing a good deed for God. And so it's all exciting news, isn't it? 
things are about to unfold. I think that's why there's that dramatic music when the soldiers are walking in and sort of got your attention. Then the music really makes a film. When that comes, it's like, oh, something significant's about to happen. Well, it is. It's unfolding. See, Jesus' preview of the coming attractions wasn't pleasant. He didn't promise it was going to be all rosy and, and, and rainbows. He wanted to prepare his disciples for what was ahead so they wouldn't be taken by surprise and go, hey, well, because <laughs> that's what the temptation would have been. When you know what's coming, I'm out of here. See you later. Mm -hmm. You know, what was ahead was persecution. Yes! <laughs> Unbelieving Jewish people would think they were doing God a favour by kicking them out of the synagogues and, and casting them out and even killing them. And when John wrote this book, Jesus' warning had already come true. Those things were already starting to unfold and happen. You see, the followers of the Nazarene would be excommunicated from the religious and social life of Israel. That's what was coming. And they would be cut off from the hopes and prerogatives of the Jews. That They would be viewed by their former friends as worse than pagans. Fingers were being pointed. They'd lose their jobs. They'd be exiled by their families. And they'd even lose the privilege of honourable burial. Sounds a bit like mandates, but we won't go there today. <laughs> Worse than this, they could be killed. That's how serious the season was that was about to unfold. But as I read something like that and as I read this scripture, I ponder. You know, believers today are not immune to persecution for their faith. In fact, persecution of Christians worldwide is absolutely on the rise. It's why as a church in our mission giving, we support Open Doors because I think that's important to, uh, you know, no matter how big or small the gift is that we invest in the protection of Christians that are being persecuted. So Christians are still persecuted physically around the world. Christians are persecuted verbally or even in this generation online via social media. That's where a lot of it happens and unfolds because everyone's a keyboard warrior. So no matter what form the persecution takes, I actually want to remind you today, it's a compliment to be persecuted for our faith. It puts us in the same company with Jesus who was persecuted, who was accused, who was killed. And that's the best place for us to be. If people aren't persecuting you and at you, then maybe you need to be a bit louder. I don't know. Shake a few more trees, make a bit more noise, let people know that Jesus rules and reigns over every situation and every circumstance. Let's keep going. John chapter 16, verses 4 to 6 says this. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So this is a forewarning for the future. This is what's coming. And again, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. It must have been confusing. It must have been discouraging for Jesus to continue to keep telling his disciples that he was going away. After all these promises of I'll always be with you, um, you know, he, he always said that he remain in him, remain in me. He's using these words, yet he's saying he's going away. So what confusion, what discouragement? You know, even though they couldn't sort it all out that night because the hour was nigh, that Jesus only had a certain amount of time, they would remember what he said when the events happened, and that's what his goal was, to remind them of these key points so that when the heat comes, that they hold on to that teaching because Jesus was a teacher. 
He repeated that he was going back to the Father who had sent him, and his departure would certainly cause the disciples grief. They would have been sad in that moment. After all, they were about to lose their best friend. If that was to happen to you, it's sad. When your best friend's talking about departing, I'm out of here. It would be challenging at best to deal with. Verse 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Such an encouragement in the midst of what was going on, that Jesus would be sending a helper. How many times did you have your parents say to you that they were doing something for your own good, even if it hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> My hands up. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Whack with it. Whatever. <laughs> Not condoning violence, but that's what I went through. Uh, we've all had them, I think. Or, or, or some grown-up figure who thinks that what they're doing for you is, even though it's hurting, or this is for your benefit. Well, this was the same kind of situation for the disciples right now. When Jesus went away, he would send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. We know that. They didn't understand that yet. Because this is the first, you know, Jesus only just mentioning this helper. They didn't understand how it would function, look, whatever. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once, whereas Jesus was limited to wherever his body was. So the disciples really were getting something better, as Jesus was saying. See, when John wrote, it is to your advantage, he used the Greek word, Sampiro. Everyone say Sampiro. You can all speak Greek. Congratulations. This means good in the sense of beneficial or profitable. He didn't use the word kalos. Everyone say kalos. Kalos means good in the sense of beautiful or pleasant. So it wasn't pleasant for the disciples to have Jesus leave, but it was beneficial. So that's what he's talking about there. Verses 8 to 11. He's doing this for your own good. Oh, I love that. Anyway. <laughs> Flashbacks to memories of childhood, I know. And when he came, when he has came, come, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So welcome to the conviction report. The Spirit not only ministers to believers, but it also has a mission. I mean, we know the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, gives us direction, leads us and guides us, comforts us. The presence of God can come by the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of your deepest, saddest moments. The Holy Spirit does all those things, but it also has a mission. The Holy Spirit is the prosecuting attorney in God's courtroom charged with showing unsaved human beings their lost condition. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts, not man. Sometimes we carry that burden. We feel the pressure to lead someone to the Lord, and so we get real, I don't know, we put on the Holy Spirit hat. <laughs> we try to cause the conviction, maybe through guilt, maybe through whatever, you know, oh, but you, the Bible says, and you're going to burn. Look, that's not your job. I mean, to speak the truth. In love, 
But you can't cause conviction in that person's heart. It's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. And it, this scripture talks about conviction in three different areas. You know, to convict means to show, to expose, or to unmask. And the Spirit's special ministry to the world is to convict of sin in three areas. Here's the first one. He will convict the world of sin. The Spirit convicts of sin because they do not believe in me. The issue is not the specific sins that human beings commit. It's not about that. But the one condemning sin of unbelief. No wonder we need to keep the focus on Jesus as we witness to our unsaved friends. So don't go down the pathway of guilt tripping and pointing out all their faults. And do, No, keep your eyes on Jesus. Point them to Jesus and trust that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to those areas of their life that they need transformation in. It's not your job to change the person. It's such a weight that lifts when you have that realisation. Because I know as a young Christian, I probably went the other way and thought, well, it's my job to convert everybody. Well, no, it's just my job to be hands and feet of Jesus and to speak the truth in love. And then God has to do the convicting. God has to bring them to church. I mean, I can invite them. I can be proactive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be slack and well, God will do it all. No, we've got a role to play. But don't go down the pathway of becoming the Holy Spirit in their life. Because if you do do that and they do make a decision, then it fully is on you. So if you were to fall away or if you moved away or if you, they were leaning on you and not the Holy Spirit, they'll fall and stumble. That's why it's important. So that's the first. Uh, uh, Romans 3.23, let's look at that. For all have sinned, most of us know this scripture, and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all there in that boat. It's just that some of us have that awareness of our sin and that we need a saviour, and others don't. And, And so that's our job. To let people know, hey, there's, there's a way out. <laughs> His name's Jesus. I'd love to introduce you to him. And then when you do, that conviction comes naturally from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Here's the second one, though. The second is the Spirit convicts of righteousness. It talks about that. Because I go to my Father, uh, Christ's return to heaven establishes a new standard of righteousness. So before it was all about the rules and following the steps and only the head priest could go into the Holy of Holies and, and you had to do this sacrifice and follow this. So that's what life was before Christ. No longer can righteousness be considered a matter of do's and don'ts after Christ. The issue is no longer one of keeping rules. If it is, that's religion. That's not Christianity. That's not life after Christ. So it's not about keeping rules, but it's about living the perfect life just as Jesus did. But we can't do that in our own strength, and we know that. Our friends might argue that, well, I kept this commandment, and I did that, and and I dressed the right way when I came to church, and I didn't swear when I was in the church building, outside maybe, but not in the building. I did did all the right things. But no one can claim to have led a perfect life as Jesus. That's why we need him. He's the new standard. And if we give our life to him, we're covered. But if we don't, then it's on us. And no one can live that perfect life in our own strength. The third one is this. The third is the spirit convicts in regards to judgment. So because the ruler of this world is judged, amen? It's already done. Satan is the ruler of this world, and at times it may look as if he's getting away with evil. 
well, how come bad stuff happens to good people? Probably the top question ministers get asked, and there's no comforting answer other than God's in control. And it's sad. You know, why do four girls have to not be here anymore? You know, how, how do I answer that question when people ask me that? You know, why, why did that person that was so special and dear to me die? There's no words. You can only just be present and comfort. Satan's the ruler of the world. And it looks like he's getting away with evil, but we know he's judged. Yeah. We know in the end there is victory. The cross is God's announcement that he does and will punish sins. Satan's and everyone else's. No one's excluded from that. No longer can anyone scoff at the idea that those who do evil are doomed. Can't scoff at that. It's very real. God revealed his commitment to judge sin by sending his own innocent son, his name is Jesus, to the cross for our sake. Each convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit is focused on Jesus. Did you notice that? And he should be our focus as we cooperate with the Spirit in telling others the good news. That's why it's all about Jesus. In this church, it's all we'll ever preach. Everything will come back to, you know, there's different topics and different things, but it comes back to where does Christ fit into this area of our lives? Because that's what's important. And it should be our focus when we cooperate with the Spirit. Sometimes those of us who believe in Jesus try to do the guilt-tripping thing, like I addressed earlier. It's, it's, there's no fruit in that. It's not going to help anybody. He's the only one who can change hearts permanently. You know, sin is our central problem that we need help with. Even as Christ came to deal with it objectively at the cross, so the Spirit is promised to press home to sinful hearts the reality of sin. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, to bring that conviction. Let's continue verses 12 to 13 in John chapter 16. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. You've got spirit. <laughs> we've all got spirit. We've surrendered our lives to Christ and he comes into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is there, dwelling. And then something gets activated when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit. Something, it's like, it's like you're up the voltage. I don't know what it is. The switch just flicks. And, and all of a sudden, what was there, just sitting there, and you know it's there, it's just activated. And man, it's an exciting life when you're baptised in the Holy Spirit. In preparation for his dying, Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit and that he would rise from the dead. Here's a key point here. Not only will the Spirit convict unbelievers of their sin, but he'll also guide believers into the knowledge of the truth. That's important. Sometimes we miss that second part out. We just need conviction, we need conviction. But you know, when you've been living your life in a sinful way, well, what needs to replace that? And that is the truth of the Word of God. And so there's not just conviction of sin, but also a guiding believers into the knowledge of truth. It's like a guide that leads a stranger into an unknown place. It's just like that. The Spirit will guide Jesus' followers into an understanding of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
and he works in tandem with the son to tell them what Jesus didn't have time to teach, including what we now have as the New Testament. The Holy Spirit leads us to the truth. That's why we encourage you. It's so important to have a, a pattern in your life around reading the Word. Because it's great to come on Sunday and hear myself, Anita, or anyone else that preaches at this platform. Uh, that's great. But we need to be seeking God and building on that relationship throughout the week one-on-one -on -one ourselves. Because God can speak to you. You don't need a pastor to pass a message on for you. I mean, we, we do that. It's called prophecy. Words of knowledge, discernment, all those things. But you don't need to just rely on that. God can speak to you. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we could all have a personal relationship with him. So it's not just about the pastor, who are imperfect people, by the way, and can make mistakes and say the wrong things. That's why you shouldn't rely on us and put so much weight. I mean, we're there for you. We'll, we'll help you. We'll speak life into your life. That's what we'll do. But you've got to be seeking God one-on-one -on -one personally yourselves and as a family and make a habit and a routine around it. That's really important. All right. Verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 16. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So we're passing along Jesus' words. While people in the world are busy rejecting Christ, and that's happening at such an extreme level today, they're persecuting Christians, well, the Holy Spirit is working in believers to glorify Christ. The harder the world works against Christians, the more God will pour into them his wisdom, his comfort, his strength. But it won't happen to us painlessly while we sleep. <laughs> we have to go through the hard times and be diligent to study his word. And that's why it's so important to have that personal relationship. When crisis comes, you find how people are grounded, how grounded they are. Are we grounded in God's word? Are we, do we believe that we are who he says we are? Do we receive comfort from him when crisis comes? Because it's all easy when everything's good. It's not hard. Just cruise along. Life's going great. No problem. But then when the temperature gets turned up a little bit, how grounded are we in God's word? Because some people will flee the church when a hard time happens. They'll disappear. They'll stay home. They won't come. This is the very place they need to be, by the way, when they're in crisis, because we're all here to help each other, right? But you see it. I've been in ministry for, I don't know, almost over 20 years, and I see it everywhere I go. Hard times come, people disappear. It's just what you see, and it's, it grieves a minister's heart, because we want to be there for these people. I'm sure it does to you too. You want to help people, but you can't help them if they hide away. They don't answer your calls. Studying scripture is not an exercise in filling our minds with knowledge. It's so important to understand that. Mm. That's not the approach we should be taking when we study scripture. Because if you are, well, that's a head knowledge mm. thing. But that's not the point. It's not about stockpiling facts to win religious arguments. Mm. We study God's word to get to know Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit helps us do. If you're studying the word with that posture, God will speak to you powerfully through his word. He shines the spotlight on Jesus while helping us 
understand what he said and how to live victoriously. But if you're studying the word just to get one up on the next Christian that you're having a little bit of a dispute with, Holy Spirit isn't in that. There'll be no fruit from that. You might win an argument, but where's the fruit? What's the point? Is it illuminating Jesus or boosting your ego? It's very quiet here today. <laughs> I might get a few extra emails this week. <laughs> Preaching, Pastor. But, no, you're not like that. I don't get that many emails. What's your posture when you're studying the Word? Because I hope it's to get closer to Jesus. I hope that's why we're looking at God's Word. See, God desires for us to live victoriously. Yes? Yeah. Amen. We're not to live a defeatist, beaten, downtrodden, because that's the enemy having a victory. Jesus was victorious over sin and death, and so we should live victorious lives. Does that mean hard times don't come? Of course they come, and of course they're hard. And you have permission to grieve, be sad, be emotional, be, but you just can't camp there. You can't stay there, because if you do, you become lost, and you hide yourself away, and you don't let people in, and then you struggle. But you've got to remain open to the Holy Spirit to come and comfort you in those challenging times. Keep coming to church because we love you, all of you. All of you at home that aren't well, we love you. Come when you're able. We want to be there for you. But God wants us to be victorious, not domineering with our knowledge so that we can beat any argument. He wants us to be victorious because we have an understanding of what Christ has done for us. And he wants us to make good decisions in life. And he wants us to use wisdom from the Holy Spirit. See, I study scripture not to become a noble scholar because I'm anything but. If, if you've joined this church and you're wanting to go deep in the theological blah, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not me. I didn't go and do a PhD in XYZ. Uh, I'm just someone who studies the Word of God so that I get to know my Lord better. Mm. I study God's Word to get to know Jesus and His will for my life. That's my posture. And I really hope you see the difference. You know, I'm not knocking the scholars. The scholars have a job to do, and yes, we can explore deeply. Please don't think, don't take it the wrong way. But what's the motive? I hope that the scholar's motive is still get, to get closer to Jesus, just in a real deep, crazy, psychotic way because their minds are <laughs> structured that way. Whereas if I tried to look at what they'd look at, it'd just go blurry and I'd probably go to sleep because uh, that's just who I am. <laughs> so it's all good. You know, we need wisdom from the Holy Spirit. We do in every aspect and every part of our life. I think back to a time in my life, one situation that really stands out to me where I heard from the Holy Spirit was uh, I was in my mid-20s and I was leading a worship team in a church in Caloundra at the time on the Sunshine Coast and I was single. And I got given this opportunity to go overseas uh, to England. And uh, just be part of a church worship team there and just grow and develop and experience life. And, you know, you're in your mid-20s, you're, you're single, you're, yeah. the world's at your feet. And what a good opportunity. And so I needed wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I didn't just want to pack up and go. And so I prayed into it. And as I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and, and, and basically say uh, that there's nothing holding you here. But what if I brought someone into your world? That would be your wife. And I was like, that'd be cool, but <laughs> I haven't seen anyone lately. I haven't felt that 
that prompting that you know there was there was no there was just no area of my life geared towards that at that time but I just went well God I'll just follow wherever you lead me um, it was very soon after that that I'm leading worship on Sunday and as when you lead worship you're checking everybody out making sure they're awake and singing along and they're into it and all of that and then this radiant angel walked into the room <laughs> and her name was Anita I'd never met her I'd never seen her and uh, she walked in and Something just, uh, you know, they talk about that love at first sight thing, and that's literally, for me, Anita took some convincing, uh, but <laughs> for me, I don't know whether you, the penny dropped, the Holy Spirit spoke, whichever way you want to put it, I just knew i got to get to know that person. And so I did that. I did the right thing. I got to know her sister and mum and dad first because you got to go and take the right, you've got to use wisdom here. Take the right angle into the situation. Strategic planning, that's right. Got home on the whiteboard and drew up my plan and worked out my I didn't do that. But I did get to know her family and then eventually Anita. And it was very quickly, really. We, we had a conversation in October and we were engaged by February and married by September. So it was all in about 11 months. But see, we were, I was 27, Anita was 24. Um, and, you know, we, we weren't at the dating. We just said, we're doing this recording and it's happening. And it just happened. But see, none of that would have came to pass if I didn't listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I could have been selfish and gone, England, overseas, let's go. You know, the backpack of life for me. And off I go. But... Just that prompting, before I'd even seen Anita, that the Holy Spirit dropped into my spirit. It's what we need in our lives, isn't it? Yeah. We need wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I could probably go around the room and, and many of you would have stories like this one, uh, and not just love stories, but anything in your life where the Holy Spirit has really led you to a point of victory in a circumstance, because that's what he did for me. And uh, you might be in this place today and, and all you needed was just a little reminder that, you know what, the Holy Spirit's got your back. He's with you and he wants to lead you and guide you in whatever it is that you're facing. He's with you in every season. And to close, I want to just watch another video. Mel, if you can get the lights again, that encourages us about Jesus in every season in our lives. Thank you. 
And when I tell you my limits, you take me in your arms. Show me worlds that are bigger. Whisper horizons I'd never known, never thought could be for me. You have been my teacher when I've needed lessons. My daddy when I've needed strong arms. Father when I've lost my way. Mother touch when I'm at my end. Lover's passions at the cry of my heart. My Lord in the darkness. My God in the awe. And my friend, faithful one, forever by my side. When I look back through the years, through the moments, it's always been you. And my soul is a cascade, a water pipe bursting praises, a wellspring of gratitude for all you've done for me, for the splendor you are. I am celebrating you. I am singing your worth. And I cannot help but rise abandoned, a fountain of thank yous, raising high I don't know where you're at today, but I just feel that the Holy Spirit, I know you're at church, but in your life, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I know for me, a constant reminder that the Holy Spirit is with me is very appreciated, especially when you're going through the rough times. You know, the Holy Spirit brings wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10, I don't have these on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some other versions say wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalms 51 verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me known wisdom. Proverbs 2 verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart, and your knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The video said, when I look back through the years, through the moments, it's always been you. Then my soul is a cascade, a water pipe bursting praises, a wellspring of gratitude for all you've done for me, for the splendor you are. I am celebrating you. I am singing your worth, and I cannot help but raise abandoned, a fountain of thank yous, raising high your beautiful name. Sometimes you've just got to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is there and he's going to bring wisdom, he's going to bring comfort, he's going to bring peace in the midst of your challenge. And so we're going to pray, we're going to close our service, believe for people to surrender their life for Jesus personally. But then I want to just have a moment where we allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on us and take our burdens away. Because there are heavy-hearted people in this place, there are online people watching this later that just need the Holy Spirit to encourage them today. So let's bow our heads and if you're in this place and you need to surrender your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. He, he lifts that burden. He takes away that condemnation of sin. The bad choices that you've made are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so if you're in this place and you need to acknowledge today, you know what, I need a saviour. I need that forgiveness. Or if you're online at home, don't tune out. This is for you. Lift up your hand. 
in God's presence. In this place, I'll see it. Online, I won't. But it's about your response in your heart towards God today. So if that's you, just lift up your hand in this moment and surrender your life and accept Jesus and all that he has done today. Let's pray this prayer together, church. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I thank you that you conquered sin and death so that I could be forgiven. You gave your life for me and I am so grateful. And so I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead. I speak out with my mouth that you are my Lord. And so I am a Christian and I'm going to live my life every day for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God because he is good. encourage you in this moment. Let's not let this moment pass us by and quickly rush out to coffee. And let's just stand in his presence. Would you stand with me if you're, if you're able to? And let's just have a moment with the Holy Spirit. I know when I got told to receive the Holy Spirit, I got told to do a posture and I'd be hands out like this. It's like I'm here God. Here I am. Touch me move in my life. And so if you're you're willing, why don't you just put your hands out in front of me. The Holy Spirit wants to come and deposit something to encourage you in this moment today. Thank you, Jesus. Just rest in His presence just for a moment. Like that video shared, that cascading water bursting out. Let it just flood over you today. The presence of the Holy Spirit. May it come and minister that which you need. Peace, love, wholeness, comfort. We surrender, Lord God. We ask you to come and breathe on us in this moment. Lord, I pray for people in this place today that need a touch of your Holy Spirit. May it come like a rushing wind, like a flood into their hearts and into their lives. Touch people by the power of your Holy Spirit today. People that need their head lifted up, that need their hearts filled, that that comfort in knowing that you are with us. Lord, may we sense your tangible presence today in our hearts and in our lives. God, move powerfully, I pray. Bring healing. Lord, bring peace. Bring comfort. Bring wisdom. As we make decisions, as we go about our week, Lord, we ask for that guidance. Lord, particularly with this outreach that we're about to go to, lead us. Fill us with your wisdom. Give us opportunity to share of your goodness and of your love. But help us to exercise wisdom in how we do that. Help us to meet people where they're at and not drag them up to where we are. But Lord, may we stoop low today and and, and meet people at their point of need. Give us wisdom. Lead us and guide us. Encourage us. Help us to be your shining light. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit, not just in this moment, but from this moment and forward, whatever it is you're facing, that nothing would be too hard for you because He makes the way and that He brings the comfort and He supplies the peace in every situation that you face in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.